Maybe this is also interesting because we study architecture and if people ask you, oh, you study architecture, they think, oh, we're just building buildings and family yeah. houses and whatever. But this mm -hmm. is a topic or this is a practice which is much broader and which mm -hmm. covers so much more um, yeah, parts of, of, of our daily life as well. And yeah. I think if you're very careful of what you take and bring together, mm -hmm. then it can be good architecture as well. But you need to, I think, yeah. Yeah. As I already said, you need to understand it from the science corner to the universe. <laughs> Today I'm talking to two young architects from Vienna, Magdalena Steiner and Andreas Brandstetter. Good morning, Magdalena and Andreas. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> it's so lovely to see you again here on Zoom. It is. Totally. <laughs> Uh, so you are interior design students here in Vienna. We are architecture uh, students, right? Architecture. Yeah, and we are writing our diploma. So we have like a few weeks to go to finish our studies. Um, and then we are allowed to practice architecture okay. in real life. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, and now, um, but the, uh, the architecture, how does that, do you have, to do interior design as well, or is it just architecture? Um, so in bachelor studies, um, interior design is part of it. So we do have some lectures about interior design and then um, it goes more in normal typical architectural stuff. So from I know, building techniques um, to uh, statics, whatever. Actually, so actually it says art and architecture as a profession. So. We also have the artistic parts of architecture, the more explorative um, ways of finding solutions for different kinds of things. And there's also interior design part of it. Um, I mean, finding solutions is is a skill that we need in more than just architecture. So it's it's opening a very broad field of, of what we can do. And, and yeah, dating back to Vitruvius also saying ar architecture is a profession um, from the sand corn to the moon. So it has to take everything into account, which is quite interesting and, and yeah, opens a lot of possibilities. And did you, so part of your study is also to look at the history of, of design and the history of architecture. So quite at the beginning, um, we have a course which is called Architectural History. And so you have this like in, in the background and with this knowledge you start your projects and i think architecture as norman foster always said um it's like a design uh, for the present with the awareness of the past um for the future so you have like all this knowledge which you have to bring together into your into your project your final project and uh, do you find that um inspiration uh, when you do your designs now, did it? Uh, do you think that changes how you look at architecture? I think, especially in our university, um, it's the Academy of Fine Arts, um, and we are in the architecture department. Um, it opens up a much broader field of thinking about architecture. So we are not looking about this technical stuff and how can we find a technical solution for a building. Um, it's more about the design and about um, the human and designing for humans and yeah, not just have this technical building in which we yeah live, sadly live. And um, yeah. And also when we talk about designing, it's not about 
always designing objects like houses, but designing processes and learning by processes and developing a process into an architecture. And when we think about inspiration of processes and we can look into nature and nature is one of the biggest inspirations for doing like everything in, in art and architecture and in everyday life. So um, this is one of the, the most crucial um, inspirational aspects we can find. <laughs> Um, it opens just so much for finding solutions for for problems we we aren't aware of. And, uh, there is a profession called bionics where you um, take over natural process into technical process, and and it, it's much more efficient using this approach than just designing a, a technical solution for something. And um, yeah. <laughs> But now in Vienna, I mean, we've got the most beautiful buildings here and the most beautiful architecture. Is that also for you an inspiration to to be here? And do you look also around you all the time to to find inspiration? Yeah, especially those historical buildings around Ringstrasse. And our school itself is at Schillerplatz. So we have this historical building, um, which gives us, us a lot of inspiration. And um, yeah, if you walk through the first districts, you have all those great um, architects which built this yeah impressive buildings. And I think it's important to always have this um, in your backhead that you think about um, yeah this time when they didn't build that fast as we could build now. And yeah, huge buildings and much more beautiful than our mm -hmm. architecture is now nowadays. You have to take into account that. The buildings we we see at Ringstraße today were the perfect solution for their time, so mm -hmm. it, it's it's the historical part and how they look is perfect for the time they were built. Um, if we would build them today, they still would look different. So we cannot copy a style that was already invented and perfect for a different time. Mm -hmm. we, have, we always have to take this into account as well. And I but, think also that we are now in a time where architecture is much faster. So you just plan something and I don't know, half a year later, you start building it. And at this time, it took so much time um, also to bring the stones from, I know if we talk about Ringstraße, the stones are from Burgenland and they brought all those stones here to the Ringstraße and start building and so on. So there is like a much longer process mm. behind those buildings. And I think this also yeah makes those building, buildings much more interesting. And, and also if we look into topics of ecology, um, these buildings were built to last eternities and they are still there. And, and now we have actually we have to build in a way to dismantle the buildings again in a, in a most ecological way. So that's why also buildings have to look and work and, and the process behind it have to be different than what was used to, to be done. So do you think now we, we're building more um, in the sense to be temporary, not to be lasting? Yeah, there is, is actually regulations or kind of, of, of numbers for, yeah, a, a single family house has to last 50 years and then it, it has to be, everything of it has to be replaced or refurbished and something. So it's it's a very um, strict time that these things last and and not when we talk about Colosseum, which is two thousand years old. <laughs> yeah. So it was completely built different. 
And I also think early on, it was for quite important where the building is built, so the site of the building, and also the sense of the space where this building was built. And nowadays, it's just covering the city with all those buildings and not leaving a single space left or empty. Um, and I think this is also sad, and this is something that should be changed or like rethought. Is it necessary to just cover the city up with towers and and skyscrapers or whatever? Um, yeah, so I think early on they were more um, elegant or more mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, it, it becomes more of a question of how much do we have to plan? Mm -hmm. Like how, how much can we leave it to be just um, to, to, to work out on its own? And how much is the architect um, responsible for, for saying how it's be done? So we have to leave it like a little bit of a puffer to to evolve on its own, which becomes yeah. quite interesting. Well, you are the architects of the future now, and I I have this this uh, always had this question of um, you know I think many architects want to establish a name or want to make this building that's known, you know, like you have in the past, you, there's these specific architects and they had these specific buildings and it's, it's known over the world. Um, but sometimes at a cost, uh, nowadays where you, you have these buildings that really is an eyesore between two beautiful old buildings. So what is your opinion about that, about, just having a building for the sake of it, for, for the name of the architect, than rather going and trying to fit into that environment. I think it's quite hard to say because um, it is something that you somehow learn. You have to build like this one building, which has to be so good and which yeah represents your work somehow. But I think it's, yeah, it's it's quite hard. I know. I think this should happen. You know, you you shouldn't yeah. force yourself to build this one building. And right. Yeah, it, it's kind of the the silent voices which tell the truth, yeah. and and the loud ones, just being shouting and being too loud. And mm. this is the problem actually. That yeah. a building tries to to shout. <laughs> yeah, because yesterday I spoke to a, a singer, and he. He talked about the same thing almost as if you have to, it, it doesn't have to be the singer. It has to be about the work, you know, and that, and that's this idea of, you know, that it's, that you don't sacrifice the environment just to build something that you think is going to be yours or your name or so on. But now, um, but tell me about your studies and the work you are doing at the moment. Okay, so we, um, in masters, or like in our master studies, um, we can choose different uh, studios with different professors. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, our work somehow owes um, to a professor which is um, from Switzerland and he came here to Vienna and taught us this completely new view on architecture, this new, um, I don't know how to say it. It's a way of discovering yeah. things that are already there mm -hmm. and and um describing processes behind them and how how things are related to each other 
that we are not even aware of. And, and it brought us to a very interesting site in the north of Vienna where they um, pump crude oil out of the ground. <laughs> so our project started um, tracing the invisible and it was, um, we have like all those huge sites and especially the agricultural fields um, around um, the north of Vienna. And for us, it was important, how could we trace things which are not visible? How could we trace the ghosts and specters of a site which give this site a special sense of the space? Um, but you don't see them, um, you don't hear them, you don't feel them, but they're still there and are remarkable for the site. And so our project started um, with the oil pumps and oil fields there. The um, we would like to start showing maybe a video where you yeah. can see all those oil fields. Um, and it was a work which we did quite at the end of our project, um, like a recap of what we did. Um, we would like to start with this now and then just okay. describe the project much closer. Our project is called- This is amazing. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so fascinated. You have to tell more now. So our project is called Technoscape. It's um, the combination of technology and landscape and the question about what is natural. And in this video, we're discussing with Timothy Morton um, and his quotes about what is natural. And um, I mean, I would say everything is natural. Also technology mm -hmm. is natural because it all comes from nature. And yeah, Technoscape itself is a project which copes with the topic of architecture, anthropology and art. And the base for this project is the site of extraction in the north of Vienna, Zistersdorf, with um, the 700 oil pumps, which you already saw in the video. Yeah. And it is known for its crude oil resources um, and this specific landscape where technology and landscape collide. Yeah. And I think it's quite important that for us, um, this crude oil resource um, covers the greatest possible period of time. So it brings together so much information and it gives um, yeah, the space and this life, a new kind of liveliness through this information which we gathered out of crude oil. And for us, it was important not only to work with the material itself, um, but also with the invisible material. So the ghosts and phantoms um, which are which occur in sight and become this important um, yeah, mm -hmm. part of this non-human um, human relationship and therefore we dealt with the method which we call phantasmography. And this means tracing the untraceable and combining this to architecture again. Amazing. So these oil pumps that are still working. Still, yeah, for the next 15 years or something, and then they become an abandoned architecture. So they, oh. they are changing function <laughs> and are still existing. And it is an architecture that we are very much reliant on. Um, at the moment and for, for the last century or something and yeah it's just it's like an e extension of how we live so um, materialized in form yeah. of ex extracting material from the earth mm. and it's interesting that um because i was looking also at the oil pumps themselves that that that's also the um it's almost like the the function of it is is such a natural mm. um, movement also, you know? Yeah, we found it very meditative to be on yeah. site. And, and it's it's just, it's a, a very 
very much calming uh, process. Yeah, yeah. yeah I we was always said that. this German quote: "It's zwischen den Weinfeldern das immer wiederkehrende Geräusch der eisernen Pferdekopfpumpen, fast schon meditativ." So it means yeah. like slowly movements of this, yeah, kind of like animals, mm. like huge animals which are yeah. moving their heads, and um, they have seven hundreds of them in the north. Yeah, we can compare it to the dinosaurs that <laughs> yeah, yeah. that lived there and they. They are actually the material these pumps are pumping out. So it's it's kind of this circling back and this yeah, it's it becomes an architecture that's amazing. Yeah, so time spans become uh, three-dimensionally sorted. So for us, this material becomes information, and the information becomes a resource um, which is extracted by the humans. Yeah. And for us, or like our project, which you will see later on, some photos of it, also tries to cover those time spans from the primeval sea to the future um, where we don't know where it goes and if there is still crude oil and what this would mean for architecture if we don't have this resource anymore. And um, yeah, maybe we share yeah. some we can photos. But I, I just want to mention that it's true what you're saying, you know, we, we're slacking off always things, you know, like that, and but also not thinking that that's also for the future or for a benefit yeah. that that we use it but yes yeah, show me now your project okay so i think it's also important that man extracts not only this raw material but also the whole history as we just said yeah. and um that it all changes the landscape and therefore can be seen as a kind of mediator between life and death in this case because we have crude oil which is produced out of those death mm. or dead animals mm -hmm. under the earth and mm. which is yeah, compressed yeah. and then oil is produced, yes. um, which we bring up again. So you can pretty much say this life is brought back to life, but to a different life, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is a, which we are benefiting from. Mm -hmm. So we are benefiting from life that used to be um, two million years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's uh, that's so interesting. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, it's true. It is. <laughs> okay. So you see the filters, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can can see some pictures of our um it was a performance we did with the material and all this information we gathered in kind of a wunderkammer. It's a collection of of all the material we found on site and we found um the information we found and and we produced maps and we can quickly um get through them. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was important to have this one key piece or main piece. And mm -hmm. this element um, included like all the information that we found in connection to crude oil and to architecture. And um, yeah, through our method, which we used like phantasmography, um, we tried also to make the invisible visible. And this is what we made through projections. Mm -hmm. So all the information which we gathered, which is invisible, was projected onto the phantasmograph, this main key piece. And then um, a whole history or like whole story about this project and about crude oil um, yeah, was produced. And before we started um, building this main piece, um, we were trying to map um, the site and go deeper into the site. And the best way to do this is to work with the material itself. So these maps were produced using this crude oil we found um, or we got from the site. So uh, we produced um, the site 
from the site itself. <laughs> That's amazing. Maybe, yeah. These, these are quite huge, like 80 by 80 centimeters maps yeah. out of crude oil. It's the, the Vienna Basin, so the area where this oil can be found and all the history behind it, like it, it produced different settlements because there is this resource. So it, it produced um, labor uh, and how this is the city itself, like city structure and the networks and the whole settlement, which is caused due to the oil production because people had to live there, they had to work there. So this whole area in the north of Vienna, um, like this whole architectural area as well, mm -hmm. right, um, is produced or is, is, was built because of the oil pumps, which they um, built there. And also, and when we look into the future, what does it mean if there is no crude oil in 15 years? What about the people living there? So it already takes less people to work on, on, on the site. So there is a decline in, in, in people as well, which is also like... Um, but this history, was this very easily available to you? Um, so what we did is that we went there and we were talking to people and we did a lot of interviews and mm -hmm. um, yeah, they told us a lot. Um, I mean, there is visible history, of course. So for example, the interwar period um, where sister stuff received national attention um, due to the considerable oil discoveries, which they had there. And um, yeah, the first crude oil was discovered in 1930, for example. And then this whole process, which uh, started, um, got a lot of intention, uh, yeah, attention. Mm -hmm. And then they started uh, with the first boreholes in 1934. And um, this was quite noteworthy um, because um, the daily production of 30 tons of crude oil um, could already be produced then. And okay. um, it not only has the good sides, but mm -hmm. also like the bad sides, as we know, with the history from Austria as well. Um, so people got interested in our crude oil resources and they started to um, sell it and have like this kind of business concept behind mm, crude right. oil, which we started. It was very much important in the wartime. Mm. To keep yeah, I wanted around. to ask now about the war. Uh, was that, uh, mm. did that carry on then? Did they keep, uh, keep on working? Yeah, but it, it was, it was in a conflict of who is working there. So oh, I see. Yeah. Um, other countries came and and took the resource and and so it was in, in kind of a a different chance between mm -hmm. interests. And you could still see some buildings from this time which are empty now. So, for example, there is a kind of settlement of uh, tin huts um, where they organized and coordinated this whole processes of oil extraction, and it's now empty. It's like a ruin on the on the site. Quite spooky as well. Yeah, um, I can imagine. These are, these are mm -hmm. those visible traces which mm -hmm. we found. Um, and and initially, when when they discovered the oil, what was the um, feeling or the the mood about that? Because they are, I see, they are in land. You know, um, uh, in where where crops grow. Mm -hmm. So what they did, um, they issued a special order, um, which the area was classified as decisive for the war and okay. um, must absolutely be defended. So this was like the yeah, somewhat treasure for them mm -hmm. and was like the most important part. So um, 
because they knew they could make a lot of money out of this and could sell it. And it is not only important for Austria itself, but like for the whole world. It oh, yeah. Um, yeah, although it is on the countryside and it's it's not in the city center, as we already said. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is so interesting. I never knew that. I never knew of its existence, really. So our project consists out of different parts. So we have this part where we were tracing and mapping um, the sites. Then we were doing interviews with people from there. Um, we were talking to um, OMV, which is like this huge concern, um, yeah, especially for crude oil production yeah. um, or like oil production in general. And um, then we also have this part of photography and installation. So all those different artistic parts got together into the phantasmograph at the end. And yeah, you can see this one picture or like one photograph now. Mm-hmm. We want to also show you the piece itself yeah um yeah we were working also on site uh, and to bring ourselves on the site is also quite an act a performer performative act um taking the information we find there and also being there is is it got quite intense as well um and he can, can, can show us on one of these uh, um oil pump sites and and we were laying out maps we produced with the oil on site so this was kind of a connection we found and and it was yeah interesting to do yeah i can imagine and uh, also sensing while you're there i mean it mm. that must have been amazing yeah this is what our professor always said um like some artists work is haunted by history and they feel the ghostly presence in their work and by getting in touch with the site, we also started to feel it and uh, we heard it and we smelled it and we got like this, yeah, quite special connection to the site. Um, yeah, which we still have, mm. although we are not there every single day, which, yeah. yeah. And um, also this sound of the oil pumps and this recurring squeaking and rattling of the pumps and there is no break no silence Mm -hmm. um never so you always hear this if you go there in the middle of the night you hear this sound and um also the smell of the crude oil um is getting close uh, it's getting stronger and stronger if you Mm -hmm. get closer to the pumps and the oil splashing out of the openings so you have this special connection to the site yeah and this is something that we wanted to bring into our installation Yeah. And it makes you also see it in a different way or think about it in a different way. If you start talking about all these things that you experience there, that it's not just now, it's not just about the oil anymore. Yeah, It's about more than that. That's so true. And that mm-hmm. is why it's important as well for architecture studies. And this is something what our professor yeah, somehow taught us. And mm-hmm. he was like, um, it's not all about building. It's about the whole yeah. process around building and understanding the site. And um, yeah, we would like to share something else maybe now so you can go closer yeah. to this topic. Mm-hmm. So, here you can see um, our um, centerpiece of the installation we did. Um, um, it brings together um processes of crude oil extraction distribution um 
distillation and all the information that's behind it in, in a more global way as well. So we are deeply connected in this global um, uh, way and, and yeah. Yeah, the global discussion about crude oil and what will happen if we don't have this resource anymore. And mm. we were also thinking about a future and how, which future could it be? And um, yeah, like maybe Antarctica, what was it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's the Antarctica is, is still frozen, we have to say. And and by all this climate change and, and, and what's going on, um, caused also by crude oil, these Antarctic or, or Arctic places starting to melt and these are the next resources. So it's like a, a Teufelskreis, we would say devil's circle, <laughs> um, yeah. where one process um, starts the next one and it's heating up and 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 getting faster. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's mm -hmm. something we have to think about if this is the goal. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting also that this, uh, you, if, if you think of it that way, that one pump, if you think of one pump, how that um, took your thought processes to all these different aspects, you know, mm -hmm. that you, you um, uh, if, if you don't, if you just go and look at it as, well, it's a, it's an oil pump, but you've now discovered that there are so many other avenues from there that it led you to uh, thinking about, uh, you know, the the Antarctic and um, and about global warming and so on. It changes everything. Mm. Also, there are um, hardly visible processes, like um, the the pipelines for extracting the oil are just a few centimeters above ground, and they are heating up in, in winter because of the extracted material. And you can see it, there is no snow on lines in, in, in different areas where these, these pipes are going. Really? So it's like a floor heating system that we have mm -hmm. under the crop field. And what they also told us, so it will be over soon. They cannot produce um, the crude oil anymore because they don't have the resources anymore but they will still leave all those machines there and all the networks and all this um, mm -hmm. technology which is in their landscape and yeah the, the technoscape will still exist mm -hmm. and this is quite interesting as well so um, again back to the question what is natural and what is yeah. nature and yeah and so that would be a historical sites then yeah it will be Mm. Amazing. Like yeah. the next Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's that preservation of yeah. <laughs> uh, you know of of history and it's it's in a way that you can physically see that. Yeah, that's true. Mm. We also found out that these ghosts which we're talking about, like the invisible things, um, they are everywhere. So they are, for example, in former persons or species, um, in very small or very um, large things. So um, we collected a lot of material um, where we found it. Um, they are in mental images, um, in socio-cultural narratives, in neglected pasts mm. and in imagined futures. So we have this quite huge span um, of information which we gather through this and where we can take information from. And maybe we can show you one short video. It's just like a few yes, seconds. Yes, please. Um, 
of the performance which we did um it's like a recap so it's very short but intense <laughs> yeah okay where is it yeah. too many screens open yeah we will find it <laughs> okay so you see a black screen okay It was just like a short 15 seconds of the performance. <laughs> so to That's bring amazing. you in into this experience of what the people got while visiting our performance. Mm. But that's amazing that and so you have you have made it so visual in every way. Mm. Yeah. And maybe this is also interesting because we study architecture and if people ask you, oh, you study architecture, they think, oh, we're just building buildings and family yeah. houses and whatever. But this mm -hmm. is a topic or this is a practice which is much broader and which mm -hmm. covers so much more um, yeah, parts of, of, of our daily life as well. And yeah. I think if you're very careful of what you take and bring together, mm -hmm. then it can be good architecture as well. But you need to, I think, yeah. Yeah. As I already said, you need to understand it from the science current to the universe. <laughs> yeah. But I saw a very interesting documentary, um, which also uh, talks about the fact that uh, buildings are so important to our well-being as well. You know, that, that it's there's a, a big psychological um, element into where you live or what what how you see a building or certain buildings have a specific effect and i'm thinking now on this um what what you have discovered there i think the people living in that area and working with these um oil pumps and in that environment they must also have a special community um because they have this this environment that they regularly visit. If you you've done this experiment or you've done this project and you've visited and you've experienced all that, but they must also have that on a daily basis. True. And we can also see this landscape as a toxic landscape because the material, if it is underground, it's not toxic at all to the ground. But if we take it out and yeah, produce crude oil, which we use for the um yeah, for all the materials which we try to produce, it's yeah. getting toxic. And um, mm. we also were talking to people um, who work in a more mystical way or with a more mystical um, approach to architecture. And they were also saying um, we can heal this landscape, for example, um, not in a chemical way. This is not possible, but we could heal it in a yeah mystical way. Mm. And um, mm. through as you said, um, the feeling of a space or the sense of a space um, through, for example, stone settings, what those people do, um, like Stonehenge, where this is like this very um, yeah. as we say in German. And um, yeah, this is something that we can also do nowadays with architecture. So we can be careful and we can um, try to find the right spot and right site for our buildings and um, also try to connect our buildings to yeah, the history and to the ground and not just build something. Um, which is so temporary, as you already said at the beginning. Yeah, and just commercial, you know, just oh, just yeah. to get 
just to get uh, it's the build, you know, the building sold or the houses sold or the apartments sold, just to make money from it. Now, I think that's very important, and I think it's it's wonderful that you, as young architects, have this experience where this will shape now your whole way of looking and your whole way of designing and and also finding spaces where you design. Mm-hmm. That's true. true. But now what fascinates me is that you work together on this project. We did. Yeah. So there is an element because men see things different than women do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fact. We had so, this discussion yesterday <laughs> with a professor. Yeah. I think what's a what a great combination because you must have different inputs in this project. Mm. I think we also have different backgrounds. Mm. Um, we studied our bachelor degree at different universities. So I was in Spain uh, for one year and then at the Academy of Fine Arts where I did my bachelor degree. And he was um, at a completely different university in Liechtenstein. Yeah, and previously I did a course in building construction. So I'm coming from the technical space, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was a quite good experience also to bring those parts together. And um, I think it's also nice, um, yeah, in this combination, because we talk a lot and there's a lot of exchange. And then we also have this, um, yeah, like our instructors or some of professors and they have this completely different view again on the topic Mm. and so it gets richer and richer and yeah of course yesterday we had a discussion that men just want to build walls and they want to be like straight and we do this and we do that (laughs) women are just like the nice story around the project (laughs) yeah Um, i think more about the project Uh, yeah, but I think in this case it came out quite well. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out quite well. Yeah. No, but you I always think have it's... to be careful in, in in a time where feminism is quite getting more important and and also um, taking not too many pre assumption of how people think is is also yeah. yeah as well. But yeah. I think I think the combination is is um, is very. It's quite perfect because I think, uh, you know, the the um, architect um, Charles Rennie McIntosh mm-hmm. and his wife Margaret. I can't remember her surname now, but but he used to use her art, uh, the soft feminine art, mm-hmm. on his very masculine lines um, in his architecture, and I find their story very beautiful. And I think it's it's so. It's so um, really representative of the male and female influence in design. Yeah, it's true. Very true. But now tell me uh, what are next for you now with this this project? This is now your uh, final project for, for your graduation? No, it was a project for the last two years, mm-hmm. like one and a half years around. And um we will have some exhibitions um, in the future, like in the beginning of next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we go some steps further with this topic. And so this was some of the first step of investigating mm-hmm. and understanding the site and the connection and to architecture and the importance of crude oil. And we want to bring this further and we're already working on it. 
And parallel to this, um, yeah, I'm doing my master's degree in two weeks. So yeah. um, also on toxic landscapes. And then I'm done with university. Mm. And yeah, this is like the most important parts now. Mm. And you, Andreas? Yeah, I'm also working on my, my master's degree. And then we have to see what the future brings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have specific wishes? Uh, I mean, we have to say that everything we, we we have shown you in this project is still relevant after finishing a project. So actually, you can say a project is never over. And yeah, and yeah it goes on. And maybe we get it on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it evolves, you know, and, yeah. and as your thought process uh, changes about it 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 also makes you more inquisitive for more and yeah. for the next step so that's wonderful that uh that a project can stay open yeah yeah of course and yeah, it up a lot of topics for us and also the mm -hmm. interest in this specific kind of landscape and also landscape architecture and uh yeah rethinking architecture which is so important yeah. nowadays so now for you as as architects um what what would be in in a career the next step for you to um do apprenticeship at a, firm, a you know architectural firm or do you are you able to go independently or um have your own business yeah if you want to go independent and have your own business there is still um things to do so you have to have an experience for at least three years in Austria and do some courses and exams. And then you can call yourself an actual architect. <laughs> so okay. then you're an independent architect. A civil engineer. Yeah. yeah. This is like the next step which you have to do so that you're completely independent mm. somehow. But you have also have to say um, you don't need... Um, all these um, formulas to call yourself an architect. So if you are convinced that you are an architect, then you are an architect. So we, we yeah. don't have to keep this on on forms and, and files. Mm -hmm. If you are yeah. really convinced about it, then you have to do it, mm -hmm. no matter who is saying you can't. Yeah, no, that's true. But thank you so much. This was so insightful this uh, really it's now uh, triggering my mind as well mm -hmm. and uh, I would actually love to go and visit those sites this is um, I don't know is, is the public allowed there yeah. anytime let us really? know <laughs> yeah you can go there it's just nice for a walk and you hear this yeah. like the oil pumps and you smell the crude oil and yeah Amazing. it's beautiful especially mm -hmm. in autumn no, I yeah. think that's a that's, and I think also it, you know, this whole topic uh, is something to think about, and I think everybody will have their own sort of thought process around that. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much for this wonderful presentation and for this great work that you're doing. You're and uh, I thank just you. have one last question for you now. I want to know where do you two hang out when you go for coffee? in vienna <laughs> go for coffee um there is one little french um spot in the first district it's called parimi um yeah. they have 
best pain chocolat in Vienna. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I really recommend it. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely really? nice and lovely space. <laughs> Where are they? What, what, uh, what's the what? address? It's called Beckerstrasse. It's behind the, the St. Stephen's Cathedral. Really? Oh, I'm going there. I'm yeah. going to visit Check there. it out. <laughs> <laughs> See you there, probably. <laughs> okay. That would be great. But guys, thank you so much. And um, have all the best for your, for your, um, uh, what, your masters? Is it a, <laughs> a, 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 is it a presentation that you do? Yeah, it's like a written work and also presentation and discussion afterwards. Oh, I see. Okay. And really, um, I would love to see in the future what you've done with this project. And please let me know when you have an exhibition. I would absolutely love to come and see. Yeah, we will keep you posted. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you for okay. having us. <laughs> okay. My pleasure. And have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. See you in Stadtpark again one day. We hope yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.